enemies of God, enemies of the Israelites, a hated people by the Israelites. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh and speak to the Ninevites because they have come up before me. Their wickedness, their evil deeds have come up before me. And somebody needs to go, Jonah, that will be you. And that's in the first two verses of, of Jonah 1. Jonah then decides, I don't want to go. Like I'm certain many of us would say, I don't want to go. God, I don't like the assignment that you have for me. And so God then, as, as Jonah decides, he's going to go in the opposite direction to Tarshish. Instead of Nineveh, he starts to sail in the opposite direction and God sends a miracle in the form of a storm. Jonah disobeys. God sends a violent storm. And while Jonah is sleeping down beneath deck, the other sailors aboard, they're fighting to keep the ship upright. They go downstairs. They wake Jonah up. They find out it's all his fault, that he, in fact, is running from God. And they say, what have you done, Jonah? They decide then the best course of action is to throw Jonah off the ship, right? And so they throw Jonah off the ship after a very short prayer. And at the moment that Jonah is thrown off the ship, God does another miracle and he causes the storm to come to an immediate halt. And the waters begin to still. Jonah then, certain that he is going to drown in the middle of the sea, God sends a giant fish to swallow Jonah up. And he saves Jonah in that fish. Chapter 2 begins then with Jonah's repentance. After he had been called by God, he had been... Saved by God, he then says, I repent. And God, I will, from this moment on, I will go to Nineveh. I will obey if you will just deliver me. And so God delivers Jonah, doesn't he? I got a little graphic when I talked about the deliverance of Jonah a few weeks ago. Made a couple of you queasy. That's all right. The giant fish delivers Jonah onto dry land. Through the way of, I think the, uh, the word that's shared here is vomit. I like that word. And if I can share the word vomit in a sermon, I will do it over and over and over. So the fish vomits Jonah up onto dry land. Jonah is delivered. See that pattern? I call a, a disobedience certain death salvation, repentance, and deliverance. So here we go then. Chapter 3 began last week with, with Jonah getting that second call, a renewal of the call. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Speak to the Ninevites. And Jonah says, yes, Lord. Keeping in mind all that has happened to me in the last four days, I will go to Nineveh and I will speak to those rotten, disobedient, wicked people on your behalf, God. So, Jonah goes, chapter 3, verse 3, Jonah obeys 
And he says, 40 more days until the city will be overturned. What a powerful message, right? Very judgmental message that, that Jonah gives to the people of Nineveh. 40 more days and you're going to die. That's what he says. But something miraculous happened as we continue to talk about the miracles of God. 120,000 people from the greatest to the least decide at that message, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from my wickedness and I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to start to obey God's call. I'm going to start to worship the God of the Israelites, a people that we once hated. See, a transformation happens at that moment. See, it says, from the greatest to the least, they begin to mourn their wickedness and they repent and turn to God. So, chapter 3 ends, verses 9 and 10, with the salvation. It says that God relents from his anger. He has compassion on them and deliverance. God does not punish them. That's how chapter 3, verse 10, that's how it all ends right there. It's the same pattern. You see, Jonah went through a call disobedience, certain death, salvation, repentance, deliverance that the Ninevites now go through. A call coming through the message that Jonah preaches to them, certain death, but salvation from God. Repentance on their behalf and deliverance on God's behalf. And he says, I will not destroy the great city. I will not destroy all of Nineveh. Well, hallelujah. Close the book, right? Jonah can go home. He's done what he was called to do. He can get away from the people that he does not want to associate with. He can get out of the great city of Nineveh that Jonah does not find all that great. And he can go back home knowing that he has done exactly what God has called him to do. And he can rest in that truth. But Jonah decides not to go home. No, chapter 4, Jonah decides not to celebrate. No, instead his reaction, as I said, begins chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Angry. He's displeased and he becomes anger. Now notice this. Jonah is no longer angry with the Ninevites. He doesn't have any reason to be. They, have, they, they no longer are, are coming against his God. They are no longer enemies, pure enemies of the Israelites. No, Jonah's not angry with the Ninevites. Instead, Jonah is angry with God. He's angry with, with God. His, his displeasure, his anger is directed directly toward him. Sometimes we're upset about the conditions that are around us or about the way an individual is, is thriving and we begin to question why. Why, God? Why would you bless that person? Why would you forgive that person? Why would you, why would you allow that person anything good in their life. You ever, you ever question why God does the things God does? Anybody? I might be alone in that. 
But then I'm reminded that I'm not alone when I go back to Isaiah chapter 55. And God says to the prophet Isaiah, for my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You know what that means? It means that God does not think exactly like I think. I came out of my office today uh, for, for a meeting. There were, there were about three others there. When I came out of my office, I, I kind of huffed, kind of grunted, and I said, don't you just hate it when everything and everyone does not do exactly what you want them to do? <laughs> See, I often feel like that. And I think that's how Jonah felt at this point too. God, why don't you do everything the way I think you should do? God, why are you not in my little box? Why can't I control you, God? That's what he's thinking here. He's displeased. He's angry with God. Verse 2, he prays to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? When you first called me, is this not what I said? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. This is why I went in the opposite direction. Why? I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. I knew that you are slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Wow. Jonah, you're such a smart man. What he's saying here to God is, God, I knew it. I knew it, God. That's why I didn't want to obey what you asked me to do. That's why I tried to run away from you, God. I knew that you were a God of grace. I knew that you were a God of compassion. I knew that you are a God of love, a God that forgives when people repent. I knew that you were a God that saves and one that delivers when people actually turn to you. God, I knew that you were all these great things and that's why I didn't want to talk to those nasty, evil Ninevites. I knew it. Anybody else ever been where Jonah was here? Yeah. God, I don't like what you're doing to those people that I don't like. God, I don't like how you treat them the same way you treat me. I knew it. See, all these qualities of the Almighty God, that's what makes God God. That's why we worship the God that we worship, because He is loving, because He is compassionate, because He is forgiving, because He is abounding in love, overflowing with love, because He grants to each each part of His creation His blessing. That's why we worship the God of love. And we want a God that loves, don't we? Anybody here come in here this morning and say, you know what, I hope God's character has changed this morning and I hope He's no longer a loving God. No, we want a God that loves. We want a God that shows us compassion when we don't deserve it. We want a God that is merciful when we have turned our back on Him. We want a God that is quick to forgive us when we have sinned against Him. We want all of these things. That's why we worship God, yes? Yet sometimes we get upset we get displeased, we get even frustrated when God directs these same qualities of love, compassion, forgiveness, salvation, deliverance, when He directs these things toward other people. I knew it, God. That's what I was afraid of. 
Verse 3. I have another thought. Now, O Lord. Oh my goodness. Now, I got to say this. Yesterday afternoon, I had just read through my sermon. I was at home. I had the two younger kids at home. I just read through my sermon and just really being convicted by the message, ready to come and to preach it. And I went out and both the kids were laying down for a nap. And so I thought, hey, this is a good time. Maybe I can watch a, a program on TV. That does not happen. Uh, adult television uh, does not appear in our home very often with four children but it was quiet too quiet so I turned the TV on and I thought you know what I wonder what's and I found a I found a special that was run just I think it was Saturday night <laughs> it started to come on an advertisement for this special started to come on it was a, a documentary about Charlie Manson. Oh my. And at the moment this came on, all of the words that I had just preached to myself came back to me. Surely not, God. Not Charlie Manson. Are you telling me this is, this is what I'm wrestling with in my head. Are you telling me, God, that if, if Charlie Manson... If he repented today, that you would forgive him? Are you telling me, God, that you love Charlie Manson the same way you love me? And that you want to grant him hope of eternity with you forever and ever and ever and ever? That you would spend forever with Charlie Manson if he would repent today? Wow. See, when I put it in that kind of a context, I understand exactly where Jonah is at the start of chapter 4. When it says he's displeased, when it says he's angry at God, I can understand that. When he has questions for, for God later in the chapter, he says, God, how? God, I knew it. I knew all these things about you, but, but God, I don't get it. I cannot wrap my head around it. Verse 3, it gets better. Oh, my. Now, oh, Lord. Oh. Get ready. Just hold on to your seats. Now, oh, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Take away my life. Just try to wrap your head around this. Is there anybody that you hate so much? Is there a group of people that you hate so much that if they repented, and if God said to you, I, I forgive them and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grant them eternity, is there anybody that you can imagine saying, God, if you're going to forgive them, then just kill me now. That's what Jonah's saying. I'd rather die, God. You've got to be kidding me, Jonah. It's like he forgot what he prayed just a couple of days before. Do you ever forget what you prayed days before? Yeah, God, I made this great commitment to you, God. I will serve you all the days of my life. I will never go back to that sin. And then two days later, we find ourselves waist deep in that very sin. 
And then His Holy Spirit speaks and says, you remember what you prayed just a couple days ago? Let me convict you a little bit about that because it's not right. Remember how you said, God, if you'll just deliver me from the belly of this fish, then I will serve you forever and ever and ever, and I'll do anything you call me to do. Let me remind you what Jonah prayed in chapter 2 as he's being digested in the belly of the fish. In my distress, I called to the Lord. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. But you brought my life up from the pit. Praise the Lord. Jonah cleaning himself up. He says, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey. He's cleaning himself up and, he, and God renews that call and he says, yes, God, I remember that. And here I go. But here he is now, about 43 days later, with the knowledge that God actually has forgiven them. And he says, God, I'd rather die than live with those people. I'd rather die than live with those people. But it gets better, friends. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? That's a good question. Jonah, do you have any right to be angry at God because God is loving, because God is forgiving, because God is compassionate and, and delivering and, and saving? That, do you have any right, Jonah, to be angry at God because God has acted toward the Ninevites in the same way he has acted toward you. See, the progression of Jonah's days leading up to his entrance into Nineveh, the, the, the salvation and the deliverance, it mirrors the Ninevites. But Jonah can't see that. He's blinded by his anger and he says, God, I cannot understand it. You see... What this is, when we, when we focus so much on our own desires, when we focus so much on our own needs, and we say, God, I know you love me, but how can you love them? That's pure selfishness. That's what it is. And we are a very selfish people. That's, that's the, the, the basis of all sin is, is selfishness. That's where it comes from. Because we live in a broken world and because we are a broken people, we are very, very selfish. And my needs, my preferences, my tastes, they all come first. So Jonah says, God, I'd rather die. And God says, do you have any right to be angry? Jonah says... Verse 5, Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. This looks like a nice dry place. I think I'll sit right here, right outside. I can, I can have this good vantage place of the city. I can see everything that's going on. Maybe God will change his mind. Maybe God will change his mind and maybe he will destroy them. If I sit, you know what, this is a better place. If I sit right here, I can see the fire and brimstone come pouring down. You know what, right over here, I'm going to stand right over here. This is a better place. I can hear their screams as God destroys them and I can't wait. Maybe the Ninevites will mess up. They've messed up before, right? Maybe they'll go back to their evil ways. I can't wait, God. Then surely God will destroy them when they mess up again, right? Hmm. 
I can't wait till God wipes those people out. Then the Lord, verse 6, the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. This sounds like a children's book there. Destroy them, God! I hate them so much! I can't wait till you kill them all! You know what? I'm a little hot. I'm really glad this vine's here. That's what Jonah says. I, I, you know what? I'm so, I'm so happy for this, this vine, this shade that has grown up over me. Verse 7. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Get this, wrap your head around this, friends. Notice these words. Don't miss it because this is, this is key right here. I would rather die than live without this vine. See, the words had barely come out of his mouth. I'd rather die now, God, than live with those people. But now, God, I'd rather die than live without this vine. You get this, don't you? This, this vine is so much more important to Jonah than the people that are, that are ready to die on the other side of the hill. See, and I, I believe that that is a big part of the problem that we have in our churches nowadays, is that our personal preferences, our taste, our comfort is so much more important than the community that surrounds our church where people are dying every day, where people are broken, lost, and hurting, and would do anything to hear the message of Jesus Christ, and yet we say, I don't want to do it because that may, might make me uncomfortable. I don't want to change my ways because I'm used to this. And this makes me feel good. You see, friends, the church is not for us. The church is for all. God's love is not to be selfishly contained by us where we just say, you know what, if you come in and you sit in the pew and you listen to my music and you do things my way and you go through my classes, then I will tell you about Jesus, but only then. See, I see myself a lot in the story of Jonah. And when I'm selfish... And when the church is selfish, I see us in the story of Jonah too. Jonah says, I'd rather die than live with those people. And I'd rather die than live without my personal comfort, God. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. Can you hear the whine there? If you couldn't, I didn't say it right. I'm angry enough to die. And he kind of stomps his foot like a little child. I want things my way, God. But the Lord said, You've been concerned about this vine. Enter the word stupid. You've been concerned about this vine, this immaterial vine, 
Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot... But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned with them? See, friends, I, I'm concerned that sometimes we get in such a habit of doing things our way and we get so accustomed to, our, to having everything our way that when we find out that there are lost, broken, and hurting people all around us every day, we don't even let our hearts be broken over it. We don't even look around and say, what does this mean for, and, and think, and try to put ourselves in, in their shoes and say, what does this mean for them? I challenged many last week to, to go through a, a devotional with me. Just a week-long, seven-day reading devotional. Um, and it started by, by talking about two lines in eternity. One line leading to heaven, one line leading to hell. And the question was, was asked then, much like Jesus told in, in one of his parables, somebody yells across... From the hell line to the heaven line, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? See, and the reality is, if something such as that existed, a heaven line and a hell line, the reality is, if we find ourselves in that heaven line, the reality is that many of our family members... Some of your co-workers, many of your friends are, are, are not going to be in the same line as you. The reality is then, whose responsibility is it to share the gospel message? God is the God of love, amen? God is the God who shows compassion, the God that forgives, the God that restores, the God that delivers. However, God's love is not just for you and me. God's love is not just for those who are already in the church. No, God's love is for all of His creation, even for those people that we don't particularly like. So my prayer is that God would convict through His Holy Spirit. Convict our hearts. Help us see through His eyes. God, let us not be like Jonah. With all that God had brought Jonah through, with all the miracles that he had experienced, he cared too much for his own comfort, for his own self, than he did for the Ninevites. How quickly 
We often forget all that God has done for us, all that God has brought us through, all that God has saved us from, <clears throat> and we are unable to in our anger, unwilling to share Jesus' love with those that are dying to hear about it. Let us not be like Jonah. So here's my question for you this morning. As we go to prayer, here's my question for you this morning. Who is God calling you, personally, you, to reach? Who is God calling you, personally, to reach? I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. Think about that question. Who is God putting on your heart? Who is God putting in your mind and calling you to reach? And what steps will you take this next week to share Jesus, to share His love with that person or that group of people? So you notice I'm not saying who are you going to lead to Jesus this next week. No. I'm just challenging you to show love to whoever God calls you to, whoever He puts in front of you. And so God, at this moment, as you are bringing faces, as you are bringing names to our mind, God, let us not see these people through our eyes alone. God, let us not see them, Lord, as, as sinners. Let us not see them for their names. Let us not see them for their, their job titles. But God, let us enable us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit to see them as you see them, God. As souls that are desperate for your love. Lord Jesus, continue to speak. Continue, Lord, to convict Lord Jesus, as you write on our hearts the truth of how much you love us, but also, God, as you open our minds to understand how much you love all of your creation. And we thank you. Amen.